Welcome to Knights of the Cyber Table. We are here to break down the latest cybersecurity topics and rescue you from any ransomware, hacker, or breach that may lie ahead. So put on your armor and pull up a chair. Welcome back to another episode of Knights of the Cyber Table, where we eat, sleep, and breathe cybersecurity. I'm your host, Nina B, and this week we're talking all things GLBA audits, how to prepare for one, what you need to know, and what you need to do in order to ace your audit. And there's no one else better to talk to about GLBA than Mr. Daniel Gibson. Welcome, Daniel. Long time, no chat. Thank you very much, Nina. It has been a little bit. I'm glad to be back. And for our longtime listeners, if you don't know, Daniel actually made the intro to our podcast show. So next time you listen or even this episode, go back a little bit and you might recognize his voice. You may <laughs> But yeah, happy to have you back. So Thank guide you. me down this path. An organization is getting ready for GOBA audit. What are some of the first steps to succeed? What do we need to get in order? Sure, sure. So the first thing I will say is you have to be organized without a doubt. Uh, that means setting up a separate folder structure to collect and deposit you know, various um, documents, reposit, uh, evidence, everything that you need, policies, procedures, et cetera. You have to be organized and then the auditors are looking for very specific things, and there's about five of them, um, and one of them has several parts. So the first requirement is that you have to have someone identified to coordinate your security program. And this should not be just a figurehead. They have to know security technology. Uh, they have to understand audits and how to respond. Uh, so they need to be someone who can actually do the job. It can't be a figurehead. It cannot be someone who has no time to devote to this. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Oftentimes, it is a someone in the technology area uh, for higher education. If there is enough resourcing at the organization, it would be great to have someone from the security area because they can serve as the interface for the hopefully many other departments uh, that will need to be uh, interfacing uh, for the responses. So somebody to coordinate your program. And the be second organized. Thing, yep, and be organized. Yes, absolutely. The second thing that is a requirement is of a risk assessment. Now, the, the actual GLBA language says it slightly differently, um, but it really is, it's, it's a risk assessment. And it has to include three things. It has to include employee training and awareness. Uh, it has to include information systems, including network, software design, information processing, storage, transmission, and disposal. That sounds like a long list, but it's not too bad. And then three, it has to include detection, prevention, responding to attacks, intrusions, or other system failures. So that's the really long way of saying you have to base your risk assessment on a industry-accepted standard. Okay. GLBA doesn't specify what standard that is. 
it just has to include those three things, training, information systems, and detection. And GLBA doesn't say everything that you need to do. And that's by design because it knows that every organization is a little different. Mm. And what works for one organization may not work for another organization. So the idea behind it is that there's, and I'll mention this again, a reasonableness and a right size provision. And that comes in on these three requirements. So whether you're using uh, the NIST cybersecurity framework, the NIST 853, which is very big, or the slightly smaller NIST 171, uh, or another one, ISO, and any number of them, it has to cover those three areas. And there are many different ways, depending upon the standard, to cover those three areas. So that's the, that's the biggest one. Risk assessment based on an industry standard covering those areas. The third one is the follow-up from the risk assessment. So it talks about appropriate safeguards in place to mitigate identified risks. So that means that you can't just do a risk assessment and say, whew, that was good. You have to follow up on those findings and make progress to remediate those, to find the appropriate safeguards to remediate uh, you know, a governance deficiency. Okay, how are we going to do that? We're going to set up a working group and a governance group to oversee certain things. Uh, if we don't have sufficient policy documentation in one or many areas, we have to develop those, those documents. Uh, if we have tribal knowledge in many areas, but procedures and criteria and standards are not documented, we have to go ahead and document that all of those types of things. So it really is doing the risk assessment and then again, being organized and keeping track of all of the deficiencies or the findings and working on those, working through those. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You can't just one and done it. You can't just do the risk assessment and like expect it to magically to to work. Like you have to follow up and follow through. Yeah, exactly. And you can't do the risk assessment and say, okay, well, we're gonna tackle these two things. Mm. Um, you've got to make, while GLBA doesn't state that you have to finish everything, because let's face it, if you, if you do a risk assessment, even if you take the top five or top 10, that's probably a really good amount, a, a very heavy lift to complete for any organization in a year. And then you add to that people leaving, oh, global health pandemics, supporting a remote workforce now. Mm. You've got a lot of different things that are going to come in. So if you make progress in address, completely addressing some of them, you make good progress in evaluating a solutions for some of the other ones, and then you make maybe not as good progress, but still make progress on other things, you're likely going to be okay from an audit perspective. They don't want you to simply not pay attention or be totally distracted from making progress on these things. Yeah. So that's why you have to identify those appropriate safeguards. And if, say, for example, your, your antivirus was deemed insufficient, well, what's the best antivirus to use? Well, we have to understand our environment and how it's utilized, the various devices, to understand maybe how the best selection is based on cost and resources and implementation strategies, et cetera. So that could take a while. So it's not that you've, you know, you've made that decision, but 
you've identified the vendors, you've gone through several demos, and you've got a target time frame to say, no, this is when we're going to make a decision, and this is when we're going to have it. You know, start implementation with a target time frame of ending the implementation at X time. That's the kind of thing they're looking for. Totally. And I think something that you said kind of stuck out to me, it's it's starting small and starting somewhere is better than not starting at all or or trying to tackle everything at once. Like take it a couple, like five, like you said, five to 10 things at a time and go from there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's not uncommon. I mean, if you were to think for certainly for higher education, a lot of the uh, the activity gets centered on information technology because a lot of the activity is related to information technology. But if you're adding on all of this security requirements and you know potential uh, findings and reporting to the board and letters that are coming in from various auditors and other governing bodies into the president, that's a lot on their plate and on their mind. Um, and it's it's in addition to the regular full-time job of enabling the mission of the organization. So it really, it really takes, uh, you've got to start small. You can't implement, you know, the, the Taj Mahal when you're starting with a lean-to. So you don't want to overwhelm yourself. Exactly. Yep. Um, so you mentioned like the type of person that you need to be doing this. So who needs to be involved during this audit? Yeah, good question. And this actually leads me, there were just a couple of other th requirements. The fourth one is a vendor management program. And this is a perfect segue into that because a vendor management program is not necessarily centered in IT. Does IT, and I'm going to use the term loosely, does IT care about your cloud vendor? No, it, there's not an implementation uh, per se. Um, but usually IT is tasked with reviewing that uh, from a security perspective because they may understand the most about the IT side of it. Um, but there needs to be a program in place that is across the organization so that we understand what the potential security risks of organizations that we are sharing information with uh, have. Well, hopefully they don't have any, but we need to know that so we can say, oh, this, you know, this vendor gets, you know, maybe a B grade. They have just a, a couple of mediums um, or this other vendor. I don't you know, we do not have a good feeling about them based on their responses to a questionnaire uh, or their maybe a lackluster response to several questions. So we've got to have that and that vendor management program to understand. And it really needs to be, again, starting small, focus it on your student financial services vendors first and then grow it from there to expand out to the rest of the college. And that leads me into what you had actually asked, which is who needs to be involved? And my response is security is a team sport. Um, it's not just IT, but this is a financial audit. So obviously finance, your CFO or controller should be involved. But what about security awareness training? The, the first writ part of the number two requirement security awareness training. Sure, IT can help with the content, but are they responsible for rolling it out and tracking everybody uh, who takes it or doesn't take it? Or is that a shared responsibility for HR? And what about onboarding? Is IT responsible for tracking the onboarding um, individuals who are onboarded and have to take that training? 
Well, probably not. There should be an orientation component to that. Really so you absolutely need to have um, a team mentality. And another example is the vendor management. There's legal, there's procurement, IT, security. Lots of teamwork is going on here. So you need to involve as many people as required, depending on how your organization is structured. If you're a small organization and you have one person covering, you know, five different functions, it may be a little bit easier to coordinate. But if you have, you're a larger organization distributed across one or more campuses, or you have, uh, I will call sister institutions or sister organizations, whether it be, um, you know, a, uh, a community health counseling or a global, um, a, a you know, a global footprint, you know, someone whose focus is on um, global initiatives, et cetera. Yeah. You've got to take that into consideration as well. So the larger the institution, the kind of more complicated it can get. So, yeah, it certainly can. It certainly can. And you've got, like I said before, there is a mentality that or a perspective that IT is handling all of this. We're in good hands. I know the individual or individuals, the team who's doing it, and I trust them. But again, they can be overwhelmed um, and they may not have all the answers. Yeah, definitely can't leave it up just to one person. Right. I feel like we should get T-shirts that say cybersecurity is a team sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so now we, we know we, we got organized. We know what we need. We know who needs to be involved. So what are some expectations from an auditor that institutions can expect? Yeah, absolutely. So they're looking for three things. They're looking for documentation. They're looking for documentation and they're looking for documentation. So you want to be sure that you have everything written down. If you have a minimum set of policies that define the program, so an information security policy, a data classification policy, uh, and a, an acceptable use policy, Wonderful. That is the outline of your program. If you have more policies, a digital signature policy, um, a remote workforce policy, all of those different types of things, that's better because you're defining your program more. Um, you may have many practices in place. So, for example, if there is an individual who does uh, enterprise access reviews, but they don't have anything written down about what they do, how they do it, and the results of that, then that's going to be a deficiency. So you have to document that. And we have to get down what we're doing, how often we're doing it, who gets, who gets the results, and what happens to those results, and how we remove access, et cetera. Those are the types of things uh, that we need. Uh, and sometimes it really, it's very easy. You know, look, we have a training program. Here's what it covers. It's handled by, you know, it's LinkedIn or another third-party vendor. That part may be easy, uh, but it's, the, it's the, some of the subtler details about the functioning of a technology department uh, or even things outside of technology, like that vendor management that I'd mentioned. Do we have that documented and the standards there? So they're looking for those types of things documentation yeah i mean that makes sense if if, you, if it's basically not written down somewhere then it's just an idea it doesn't really exist like you need the hard codes yeah. yep. awesome so 
if someone's just looking for some more guidance and tips, what are do you have any tools or resources you could recommend? Yeah, specifically for higher education, there is a there's a whole toolkit uh, that I do recommend. There are a lot of free resources out there, and I'm sure that if you take a moment to you know Google how to how to write a policy, you're going to find a ton. Um, but the toolkit that I'm ref- referencing is from the Higher Education Information Security Council. Uh, if it's also linked in the Educause uh, website, so if you just search information security guide and educause, you're going to get a a hit on it. It has a ton of tools, of information, uh, of little knowledge articles, ways to get you started, how to approach, um, you know, senior management, how to draft a report uh, without getting too wordy, um, how to be succinct, et cetera. And that is because it's so comprehensive. That's my primary one. Um, if you don't have a good understanding of what it takes, you're just starting out, that's a, this is a great place to start. Information Security Guide, Educause, and you'll find it there. Maybe we could put it in the link in the description for people to have easy access to. So that's a good Sure. Point. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Also, any other resources? Um, so if you have time, the GLBA requirements are available online. There are many organizations who say, we can help you with this. Um, and again, it comes back to being organized. If you simply take an Excel spreadsheet and you put in requirement number one through four or five that I mentioned, and then in the next cell, list out what you currently have in place that meets that you feel meets that requirement. That is a really good outline to begin to understand and sort of create some sanity around what your organization is doing so that you don't have to commit it to memory to say, well, this person's doing that. And I think we're doing this over here. And I know we're doing this in IT, but what about, you know, the other folks across campus? I'm not really sure. And that way you're getting the documentation name in one place and you don't have to remember what it is. You've, you've got it documented. That also really helps an auditor it's like a, uh, the cliff notes for an auditor to say, yep, here's requirement number one, and here's what we're doing. And this is just a bulleted list. I have, the, uh, I have all of the documentation, if you want to read it, ready to go for you. Um, so it's, it's about being organized and then thinking like an auditor. One thing that doesn't work for them is an attestation. So if, we, if, you just, if they're asking for A and you say, oh, we absolutely have A, not going to be enough for them. Mm. They're going to say, okay, can you show me, you know, uh, how you've documented A, um, who is part of that? How often do they meet? What's their outcome? What's the output? Uh, Does that get escalated to senior management uh, or management in general? Uh, So an, an attestation, an email that states we are doing this not going to be enough. You'll need screenshots. You'll need a detailed explanation um, in order to convince them that, yes, indeed, you do have this. It's basically hire a personal organization person. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And you can see now why you know, when when a, a CFO or a comptroller says, oh, here's the one page or one paragraph um, requirement that the auditor is asking for, you can see how this just 
expands so quickly because it may just, the requirements may fit on like half a sheet of paper, but responding to those in a very comprehensive and, and detailed manner, man, that takes a lot of work. For sure. Yeah. So we talked about a lot of good information, useful tips today. So what are just some final things you want our listeners to remember? Sure. Yeah. So right now, start and organize. Because even if you have gone through this before, or if you've never gone through this, understanding what you have in place will go a very long way in helping you uh, reduce the stress that you will get somewhere down the line when you're told that you have uh, audit, an audit occurring in a month and, oh, by the way, they're looking for this in two weeks. Start now. Organize now. It will save you a lot of stress later. The second thing is make it a broader initiative. As I mentioned before, while a lot of things live in IT, not everything does. So understand what IT can do and what they're really good at and what they have responsibility for and what they don't or what they shouldn't or what they only have a part responsibility for. Um, that's going to be critical to give them to give the auditors a comprehensive and accurate assessment of what it is that's being done. And then use tools and resources to the best of your ability. If there is someone that has already started creating the wheel or, uh, you know, they started rubbing two sticks together to make fire, don't repeat their mistakes. Don't don't recreate the wheel. Um, you know, get a lighter if it's going to get you there faster. And the, some of the toolkits that I'm the toolkits that I mentioned. They have a lot. They have self-assessments in there uh, to help you understand. Even learning the language of security and auditors is critical because half the time you may look at this and say, I don't understand what they're looking for. So the more versed you get in that security jargon, the more it's going to help. And then the other thing is, like I said before, documentation. You can't trust tribal knowledge. You can't just trust you know, someone in your organization who does it. They've been doing it great for years, but if it's not documented, it doesn't, it almost doesn't count, almost. Wow, that's some pretty heavy, uh, heavy words right there, but good advice, good advice. <laughs> you're doing it, but we're not really sure how <laughs> you're doing mad. it. It's <laughs> not consistent and repeatable. And if they're not here, it probably doesn't get done because we're not sure who else knows about it. So I, I yeah. I was just going to say that. Think about it this way. Like say you either A, go on vacation or you, you know, have to go and leave for an extended period of time that it needs to be written down somewhere so everyone else knows how to do it if you you know can't be there or the person that is in charge can't be there so yep. absolutely absolutely and how many times you know are the, do are individuals getting added uh, additional things to do in their daily jobs so that sometimes things fall off they just, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Usually the things that fall off are like my poor little dog. It's like, oh. <laughs> dog to go for a walk. <laughs> exactly. Like, did I not feed you this morning? I'm so sorry. Oh, well, I didn't I didn't eat lunch yet today. And I have to there eat that go. after this. So. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. I think every time, you know, we speak, it's, I understand what you're talking about in such an easy and comprehensible manner. And that's the whole point of the podcast is to make these sometimes complex um, 
you know, services and activities and break them down and make them easy to understand for everyone. So thank you so much. Yeah. So, well, you're welcome. I, like you said, eat, breathe and sleep cybersecurity. I love what I do uh, and I love working with clients. Uh, so to make it understandable is just makes me happy. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> honored to have you on the show. Thank you. Excellent. So much. I'm glad we'll to be here. All righty. That's our story and we're sticking to it. See you guys next time on Knights of the Cyber Table.